0: Once in a while, uh, things happen that give a pastor a huge jolt of encouragement. Uh, that was one right there, just feeling, feeling Benjamin slide up beside me and having a chance to stand and to, to sing uh, praises to Jesus with him was a wonderful thing. Uh, such a thing also happened to me about two weeks ago. I was hustling around, uh, getting ready for the service. I had lots of things on my mind, and I felt a tug on my arm. And it was Isaac Pennington. Isaac is nine years old. Uh, He tugged on my arm and he had a question for me. Isaac's question was this Pastor, how can I serve at church? I think that is a reflection of two things. One, it's a reflection of the tender condition of his heart. He is a young guy, nine years old, who loves Jesus and has a tender heart for serving. It's also a reflection of the example that he has seen in his parents who serve uh, regularly here. Both his mom and his dad uh, volunteer in a variety of ways. Jeremiah was playing the drums for us. I've noticed this before. After uh, church dinner, many people leave, but there are a few families who always stick around to put tables and chairs away and the Penningtons are, are one of those families. And perhaps without even knowing or, or intending, they are teaching their children a valuable lesson about service, and about church. They're teaching their children that they value church and that one way we express our love for Jesus is by serving his church. When we talk about serving the church, we're not talking about serving a building or an organization. We're serving each other. People who volunteer to work up in the sound and AV booth are serving everyone by helping us to hear and see the service. In the New Testament, people of the church, excuse me, in the New Testament, the people of the church were called the bride of Christ. When we serve each other here at church, we are caring for the bride of Christ. And when we neglect opportunities to serve each other, we are neglecting the bride of Christ. Here's the big idea for today's message. Serving at church is an expression of our love for Christ and our commitment to his kingdom. We've been talking about how church works. I want to read a few passages that that give us a glimpse at what church was like in the very beginning. And this of course comes from the book of Acts. In Acts chapter two, we have the very first glimpse of, of life in a New Testament church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Key functions of the church were teaching and fellowship, breaking bread, prayer, and evangelism. Breaking bread back then wasn't a small wafer and a tiny cup of juice. It was sharing a meal together. And in the course of the meal, when they broke the bread, they were to remember Jesus. When they drank the wine, they were to recall the power of his shed blood, and the totally new way that God was relating to people of all nations. Fellowship and remembering Christ were all wrapped up together. And from the, very, from the very start, places were needed for these activities to take place, and people were needed to help people come together to support these events of worship. At first, their meeting places seemed to be in two places. One is, it says, that they gathered together in the temple courts. So they came back to the temple to worship Jesus. In the very first days of the church, the Jews who had become Christians didn't see a distinction between Christianity and Judaism. They viewed their faith in Jesus as the fulfillment of all of those Old Testament teachings about the Messiah. And then they shared meals together in their homes. We also know from the book of Acts that in, in places away from Jerusalem, they often came to the synagogue to teach about Christ. The very first recorded church building uh, didn't come along until around uh, 233 A.D. I've got a picture of it. Um, and also, this, is a, this was actually a residence. that uh, This was a house of about 3,500 square feet that was purchased by a group of Christians in Syria, and as far as we know, it's the first Christian church. They took one part of the church and they converted it into a baptistry. They converted another room into a room designed for serving the Lord's table, for communion. And then there was another room designed sort of like this as a place for teaching. There was a lot of art incorporated, and this is one of the very first pictures of Jesus that popped up there. You can kind of v- vaguely see him in the top. This is from the parable, or from the story of the healing of the paralytic. You can see someone carrying someone in uh, to a table there, and that's Jesus in the upper right-hand corner. one of the very first pictures of Christ. There's another glimpse of the developing church in Acts chapter four. Let me pick up and read some more from the book of Acts. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had a need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the disciples called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So there was a recognition very early on in the church that it would take financial sacrifice to keep the church going the church was under persecution many of the early christians were very poor the money that was collected seemed to go toward three things primarily toward helping people who were in need according to paul some of the money was set aside to pay uh, some of the elders who served full-time And the other money went towards spreading the gospel, to to funding missionary trips as Paul traveled and took the gospel outside of Judea into Greek and Rome and and places like that. By the time we get to Acts chapter 6, a problem has surfaced. I I referenced this problem last week, but let me give you a little bit of background before I read the passage again. The the church was growing growing And much of the elders' time was being taken up with things that other people could do. So we're teaching elders in the church whose job was to pray and to teach. And their time was going toward duties that other people could do. Um, Soon after the resurrection, a church was established in Rome. So there were people in Jerusalem who witnessed the resurrection. They went back to Rome and and a church started mostly Jewish pilgrims who'd gone back to Rome. When they got to Rome, uh, they lived in such a way that many Gentiles converted and put their faith in Jesus Christ. So you have a multicultural church of Jews and Greeks and Gentiles worshiping together. In AD 49, about 16 years after the church was founded, there was an emperor named Claudius who was... uh, Uh, an example of anti-Semitism, didn't like the Jews, so he expelled all of them from Rome. All the Jews were required to leave Rome. In Acts chapter 18, we learned that Aquila and Priscilla were among those who were expelled from Rome. Four or five years later, when Jews were allowed to return, uh, they had to deal with an issue of race and nationality. There was a conflict between the Greek Christians and the Hebrew uh, Christians. Some of the Greeks and Gentiles felt that their widows were being overlooked in the weekly distribution of food. So one thing the church was doing with these offerings that were taken up, they were buying food and giving it to people who were in need. And some of the Greeks said, I think our widows are being overlooked. Let me go ahead and read the passage now. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, uh, uh, among them, complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it is not right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenas, Nicholas from Antioch, uh, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So lots of, this is having a big impact on people. Lots of people are converting to faith in Jesus, even the Jewish priests. A large number of priests who served at the temple uh, witnessed what was going on and put their faith in uh, Christ few things jump out from this passage. One is that from the very earliest days, the church was not immune from racial tensions and interpersonal conflict. Uh, There were people who felt slighted. There were people who got their feelings hurt. This was happening right from the start. Another thing that I see in this passage is that as the church grew, there was a need to get more people involved in service. It was no longer possible for just a few people to keep everything going. But other people had to get involved in doing many of the things that are part of running a church or ministry. Another thing that we see in this passage is that a priority was established for elders to focus on prayer and ministry of the Word. That the elder's primary responsibility was was teaching the Word. There's another interesting detail And this is perhaps a good practical lesson to learn. Uh, All of the names that were selected, remember that list of names of people who were picked to be deacons? All of them are Greek names. So the practical lesson is if someone comes and complains, put them in charge of coming up with the solution. It cuts down on complaints and and hopefully comes up with some good solutions. That's another interesting observation. And when people got involved in helping to carry out the duties, the church grew. Many people put their trust in Christ. Paul uh, mentions the office of deacons in uh, Philippians 1, verse 1. So they're not called deacons in that passage, but later on that name is attributed to them. And deacons simply means servants. That's what the word deacon means, someone who serves. In Philippians 1, verse 1, Paul says, um, Paul and Timothy... Uh, servants of Christ Jesus to all of God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi to gather with the overseers and deacons grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in 1 Timothy 3, he lists the qualifications for these servants, these people who were called deacons. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, Not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect. Not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. So again, if you remember last week, you notice a male pronoun being used there. I think Paul did that because that was the norm. And in Jewish culture, it was the men who were, who were leaders. But other places in the New Testament, if you remember from last week, there are women who are referred to as deacons and as prophets. And listed, uh, one is even called an apostle. Um, so we, we talked about that a little bit last week. Then at the end of the passage, Paul mentions the reward that people like this get for their service. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Jesus Christ. So people who serve well get two things. One, a sense of assurance about their faith. I think as people serve, as people get involved, a growing awareness develops in us of the degree of our connectedness to Jesus. We feel more connected when we are involved in doing the work of Christ. And then the other benefit, which is a wonderful one, is excellent standing with Jesus. So there are rewards for serving. By the way, I want want to just take a little bit of a tangent. Too often when we think of church, we think of this building. Or we may think of this service. We need to be reminded the church are people who are following Jesus. And when I talk about serving the church, some of that might happen here, but some of it also happens in your homes and in the community and in any other place where you are serving each other. So don't just think about what's happening here. So I want to close with, with a few kind of observations uh, about, so I'm going to get practical And leave a few kind of takeaways with you about service. Number one, God wants us to meet together for worship and fellowship. God desires that we get together like this. It it pleases God when we get together. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, which is one of my favorite chapters, um, it reads like this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full of assurance, full of the assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Isn't that great? That's what happens when we we put our trust in Christ. Our hearts are sprinkled to cleanse us and our bodies are washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. What are we to spur one another on to? Let us consider how we spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some people are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So one way that we draw near to God is by drawing near to one another. And we are not to get in the habit of not meeting with one another, of not connecting with other people of faith and being involved in each other's lives. Church is where we encourage each other to love people and to do good deeds. Second observation is God wants us to be fully devoted to the work of the Lord. So I'm picking verses kind of scattered through the New Testament. This one comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first part of uh, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Don't let anything move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. We are to give ourselves fully to doing God's work. Doing the work of God is not to be a a hobby. Uh, It's not something we do only when we gather together at at a service project, we are to be wholly devoted to the the work of the church, to spurring one another on to good deeds. If you continue reading in that verse, we get to the the third point. Third point is God wants us to know that your work matters. Your work matters to God. Second part of the verse reads, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The word vain means uh, worthless, or ineffective, or empty. And I know that that some types of service can feel this way. I know that there are people uh, who leave at the end of the service, who have been busy watching our children while we're here, and they think, was this worth anything? (laughs) That was total chaos, does it make any difference? And according to this passage, it does uh, because it matters to the Lord. He sees our service and he accepts it as an expression of our love for his bride. Then the last uh, principle that I have is God understands that Christian service can weary us. It's possible to get worn out doing Christian service. And in the book of Galatians chapter 6, Paul wrote, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This passage reminds us of a number of things. One, there is a reward to Christian service. God will reward you for serving. The other thing this passage reminds us of is eventually there will be a harvest. Uh, It's not, sometimes Christian service seems like planting. All you do is plant, 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 and and you don't see a whole lot of of fruit. But eventually there comes a time where there is a harvest. Um, And then the last kind of observation is that as opportunities present themselves, we are to do good to people. Uh, especially to other people uh, who are part of the body of believers, according to this passage. I love a story about Kim Mulkey. Um, Kim, if, you, if you are new here, Kim Mulkey was my administrative assistant. Uh, she uh, died of, of cancer uh, last year. And Kim had a, every day, every single day, she would say to her children, don't forget to do your good deed. As they left, that was a part of the culture, and it still is a part of the culture of that family. Don't forget to do your good deed. One other observation is although it is sometimes God's will for us to work hard um, and to make great personal sacrifices to carry the church forward, the Christian ministry and the gospel would not move forward if people weren't making sacrifices and not just financial sacrifices, but but sacrifices of service. Um, it is not God's will to drive us into a state of exhaustion. And there needs to be balance there between the, the urgency to serve the church with an awareness that it's not God's desire to kind of drive us into the ground. One of my favorite passages uh, comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and this is Christ talking. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Times when I have felt that my yoke is not easy and my burden is not light, have usually been times when I have been forced to realize I'm carrying, I've picked up some burdens that God didn't necessarily intend for me to pick up. I've said yes to too much. I want to get practical about the type of of helpers that we need. There's three types of helpers that we need. I've listed them in the bulletin. We need people who are visionaries. Visionaries are people who see a need and develop a program to meet that need. Uh, That's what a visionary person is, and the church needs people who are like that. The other thing that we need are owners. An owner is a person who takes responsibility of an area of a need. They see an area, perhaps it's uh, working with the ushers or the greeters or um, uh, preparing meals after there's been a funeral or providing a fellowship opportunity or helping to get ready for communion, and they say, I'll own that. I'll make sure that that gets done. I might not always be the one doing it. Hopefully, I can enlist some other volunteers who will work with it, but I'll make sure that it gets done. And we need owners. like This, this is one of the areas we are most lacking. We have lots of people who will say, I'm willing to serve, but I don't want to be in charge. And not everyone needs to be in charge, but some people do. There need to be a few people who will say, I'll own this, and make sure it gets done. And then the third area is we need helpers. Helpers are people who are willing to be the hands and feet of the church, and they might be part of a rotation that serves every once uh, once a month or so. We need all kinds of people involved in the effort to carry the church forward. I want you to pull out the, the handout that's in the bulletin where we listed some areas where we need service. I want you to just take a look at that. That was in your bulletin last week. It won't be in this is the last time we're gonna put it in the bulletin for a while. Um, we we had this last week and talked about the need for service, and one person filled it out and submitted it. And I also heard from another person is Carl, you weren't clear enough. I didn't know exactly what you were asking for. Um, So I want to take a a moment and just review some of these areas and let you know what we're asking for and then if you are able to serve in one of those areas, maybe it's only once a month or once every couple months, um, check that box and and put it in the offering plate when it's passed. I want to talk about child care. Um, We have a number of different classes that meet. One of the challenges we have is there are lots of people who will say, I love holding babies. Um, So we always have lots of volunteers in that area. Um, Where we're hurting are with some of the older children, so we have about three classes of of older children and we need two adults in each one. Uh, We have a child protection policy to make sure that our child care is safe and there's always accountability and that means we need two people in every class. We don't put children in a class where there's just one adult, so we need uh, two people. Um, lessons are prepared, so one person helps with the lesson. The lesson is prepared. There's a story that you read. There's a craft that has already been prepared. You just kind of walk children through the process of doing uh, the craft, and, the, and so one person kind of takes the lead, and the other person just sort of, of helps helps out. Um, so that's one area where we need continue to need some help. And I listed in the in a handout a email, that I listed a person for each one. So if you're interested in that, talk to Jody. If you don't know who Jody is, I put her email in. And even if it's as little as uh, once every other month that you're willing to help out with one of those groups, especially with the older kids, uh, let Jody know. We also need help with sound and AV. So this is a technical area. Um, These are the people who sit upstairs. And we need three people every Sunday. We need one person to run the sound. We need one person to handle the live streaming. There's a little joystick up there. There are three cameras. It's kind of like playing video games. And you can pick which camera is live streaming the service. You can, you can, you can zoom in or zoom. So this is a, so someone who likes playing with computers. Um, this is a, that's a good task for them. And there's someone who just reads the sermon and listens to songs and hits advance on the, on the slides. So if you could help once in a while in that area, that would be helpful. Um, And if you're interested in that, contact uh, Elena. And I have her email there. Uh, Pastoral care team are volunteers who care for people in the church. This involves hospital visits, phone calls, sending cards, giving someone a ride to church, providing meals for people uh, who need some short-term help in that area, uh, helping out with funerals. Those are all of the things that are involved in in pastoral care. And what happens is too often all of that responsibility falls on one or two people and uh judy Chrysler does an amazing job in that area and does the majority of those visits for us Uh, roy and judy work at the hospital the robes work at the hospital they help us out when people are in the hospital but that's what that that kind of, of service involves And uh, Julia Black said she'd be willing to kind of collect names of people who are willing to be a little bit more involved in in that area. So you can check that box if you're interested in doing that. Um, There's another box for the fellowship team. These are party people. These are people who like to plan events. and These are the extroverts in the church um, who always like to have a party. And they just have to help pull off uh, four to six events. Could be potluck dinners, picnics cooking hot dogs after church, things like that. And Karen Riley uh, will, is willing to be the name. She did not, I, I did not t- assign her to be the leader, but she agreed to be, to be the collector of names. So if you're interested in, if you're a party person and like those kinds of things, uh, send an email to Karen, she'll collect those names and we'll figure out how, how that groups. And the one group I didn't list on the, on the sheet that, should have, that I should have are ushers and greeters. And those are all the people who just make Sunday mornings work. Um, and ushers, greeters are also people who work with Maria on getting communion ready. If you're interested in those things, just write, just write usher and put your name next to that and we'll know what that's all about. Um, but, but thank you so much for being. I want to thank all of those who are already doing this. And I know in many cases I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. A lot of you are already busy doing this. Um, but if you can give us some help, it uh, it will help us move forward as a church, and God will be pleased, and there's a reward in that for your service. Let me say a word of prayer. Uh, Micah is going to come and lead us in worship. The praise band is going to come and lead us in song. Let me say a prayer uh, as they transition. Father, we thank you for this time to uh, come together uh, in worship. Father, I thank you for this place. I want to thank you for all the people who come before us. And uh, Lord, all the people who for over 100 years have volunteered and served here, we thank you for them. Um, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would direct us into areas of service that match our gifts and that uh, meet the needs of the church pray that you would help us with that. Father, I thank you for the reward that comes with service. and um, Lord, I also think of the passage where Jesus talks about praying uh, because the harvest is ripe, the fields are white and ready for harvest, but there's a need for workers. And I I pray that people would step up and help us in some of these areas. Lord, most of all, we pray that the service that we do here would attract new people into the kingdom of heaven. Um, We ask this in Jesus' uh, beautiful and precious name. Amen.